Welcome back, everyone. This is Eric Ellison with the Digital Education Podcast. And, and if you've been with me over the last couple of years, we, we get the opportunity to have conversations with experts in their field, innovators, leaders. Um, but then also this summer, and, and what was well-received this summer is when we did uh, the multiple different series on just one question. And we simplified it down to practitioners who are in education, who are in schools, who are leaders and trying to develop our profession and our schools. And we asked a, a pretty much a simple question and we took it from there. And so we're gonna bring that back a little bit. And um, the question that I'm asking this time is who's missing or who do we need in our profession? Um, and I'm with Edward Gregory from um, England and he's the Director of Education for the Diocese of Bath and Wells. Edward, you're number one on this conversation, and so I'm excited about this. I'm excited to delve into this a little bit and especially get an English perspective on this too. But who are we missing as we think about our schools and our profession? Great. Thanks, Eric. Um, no pressure there then to be uh, the first one in the conversation and from England as well. But uh, no, it's really great. And what a wonderful question. Who who are we missing? And I bring, if you like, um, the perspective to this from being the, the director of education of over 183 um, church schools in the southwest of England, the Diocese of Bath and Wells. You got that perfectly right. Well done um, with that one. And um, but before that, um, 30 years in schools and education as a teacher, um, as a school leader um, and working in all kinds of different contexts. And what is consistent through all this is we have an amazing profession. Um, it's all about inclusion. It's all about nurturing. It's all about maximizing the potential, seeing others flourish. And our Church of England vision for education um, uses the verse John 10, 10, and it talks of life in all its fullness. It talks about the whole person, but it also thinks there's something more as well. And we're looking not just at the whole person flourishing, but spiritual flourishing as well. Um, and we've got tremendous opportunities to work in that field. So that said, who are we missing? Well, our profession, it's, it's a unique profession because we work with children and young people from all backgrounds of all races, cultures, abilities. And I've loved recently seeing the, the GRACE acronym um, from Prestonwood in Dallas, um, where it looks at um, gender and race and uh, age or ability, cultural backgrounds, economic status, and treating all of those with grace so that everyone feels included, welcomed, encouraged. But in my 30 years of um, working in different areas of education, I see that on the whole, our profession doesn't really reflect the communities that we serve. So who's missing? We're missing teachers in our profession with disabilities. We're missing those from black and ethnic um, minority groups. We're missing males from the profession. And just on that last one in the UK over the last 10 years, the um, provision in secondary schools, that's our education for 11 to 16 year olds, the number of males in the profession has declined for 10 years. And in the younger age groups, four to 11s, um, it's plateaued for five years. And that's from a position where it's, it's less now than 30% in the profession with greater gaps in subjects like physics and maths. 
So why is there a disconnect? Why, when all these young people are coming through our system, why are they not inspired to, to join us? And we might say, well, you know, that's a fault of the system, but it's not because many are. And we're really blessed with, with wonderful, talented, dedicated staff. Um, and that's been highlighted through the shutdowns, through the pandemic, about going that extra mile to serve people. And of course, this profession isn't for anyone. You have to have the right heart. It is a vocation. It is a, a calling to what we do. We don't come into this job because we want to impress inspectors. We don't come into the job because we want to get great financial gain from it. And perhaps in the UK, for example, the pay freeze has, has had an impact on who's coming through into the profession. But we are missing that breadth of the community, that breadth of society in the teaching profession. Yet if we step back and look at our schools in a broader sense, we've got amazing representation across all kinds of roles supporting the school to function. And I wonder, I question, does that reflect society in some ways? Does that reinforce stereotypes? Does that lower aspirations when actually in education we're all about raising aspirations? So we can't change natural, the national state or, or pay grades. We can change, though, what we do. We can be intentional about getting the right people to give children and young people the best opportunities, the way that we recruit, the way that we develop um, our profession. We can be intentional about all of the school community playing their part in helping others to flourish, to aspire, whether that's younger or older people in our communities. For example, our colleagues um, perhaps already employed within school communities, um, not necessarily teachers from the start, but they're working with us and they may be showing wonderful potential to be great influencers of children and young people in our care. So we can be intentional in offering pathways from within the system, as well as really good pathways into the system. And we can be really intentional as well about retaining excellent colleagues, working flexibly, offering other ways of incentivizing people to stay within the profession. The question that perhaps could be asked is, what do you want to do when you grow up? And you can ask people of any age that question. What do you want to do when you grow up? And we may have people that have been longing to be teachers and now perhaps have reached a point in life where they feel ready to take that step. And one phrase from an interviewer I heard on the radio, um, an interviewer in the UK called Melvin Bragg, who's interviewed people from all walks of life, um, celebrities and, and, and many more. And he said when he was asked, what's one of the most common things that comes up in interview? And he said, it's a phrase. And the phrase is, there was this teacher, this teacher who inspired me, this teacher who encouraged me to take the path that has led me to flourish in the way that I have. And how wonderful it would be if our whole school communities could reflect this aspiration to model this within our organisations, within our schools, our educational communities and structures. How wonderful if people could come out and when they're interviewed by people later in life, they can say there was this teacher, there was this driver, there was this janitor, there was this meal supervisor, and they really helped me to to flourish. So we can't make changes to the state, to national policies, 
we can be influential in changing that, but it will take time. What we can do is share stories. We can create our role models. We can be specific about the, the difference that teachers can and do make to all people. We can model those pathways for all people into our profession and within our profession. And we can come together as a whole community in education, all of the teachers, all of the staff, all of the volunteers, because the wonderful thing is we're all learners and we're all teachers. And if we see that, that we're all those things together at any age, then we can all flourish and we can celebrate our shared journey and our shared responsibility to future generations. And in James's letter, in James 1, we're encouraged to serve with joy. He says it'll be hard, but the rewards are enormous. But let's go out there and serve with joy as we encourage those around us to flourish. So, Eric, who are we missing from our profession? We're missing lots of people, but there's many opportunities we've got to encourage them and help them to help us to flourish as a profession. Edward. Uh, it, it, incredible thoughts, and, and it takes me in so many different directions. But I, I think that last statement that you made about joy, right, and telling the stories and bringing joy to our profession, and I, I get this really strong sense, you know, in, from you about being in, you know, not just being intentional, but being invitational. Um, as director of education and overseeing these schools is. What are you learning about, you know, kind of right now, these are difficult times. And I think in our profession, they, they've challenged us and stretched us in incredibly new ways, but even to, to many people, to breaking points. How, how do we infuse um, our schools and our profession and our fellow colleagues with joy um, in such difficult times right now? I think we, we are. You're absolutely right, Eric. We're surrounded by that sense of difficulty, that sense of challenge. There's so much in our language that is um, either placing us on a kind of war kind of footing or talking of, of gloom and disaster. And it's about capturing those moments of, of joy and blessing. And in education, as we work with children and young people, we see and we're privileged to be part of those opportunities not just day to day but almost hour to hour the great place to escape as a, as a school leader was down to the, the classes with the youngest children and just to see the joy on their faces and to know then that we are privileged with just encouraging these young people to come through the system however it might be but we're encouraging them as people to be able to walk forward and to have hope and joy that fills their, their hearts. And as part, of, I mentioned the, the Church of England's vision for education, and that's based on four pillars about um, wisdom, about community, about dignity, and about hope in itself. And I think it's a message of hope that comes through this because within our educational systems, but also spiritually with the, the Christian faith, the, the Bible, it shows us that we are just part of something that's so much bigger. And as we connect beyond the bubble of this pandemic into that understanding that we're part of something more, then we get that message of hope that we can share. 
in our diocese, um, Bath and Wells, the, the strap line that goes with it is called living and telling the story. And the more that we can capture our stories now that reflect the story of hope and love that's um, given to us through the Bible, then that just infuses and influences our communities, our schools. And we offer with that, that invitation to be part of this bigger picture, to be part of this story of joy and of hope. And the door is open for you. So, so Edward, last question, last question. I know I'm putting you on the spot on this one too. Is, is I love, I love the, the line that you said about living and telling the stories, right. And of, uh, and then the idea of hope, right. Um, what's something for our profession and for kind of inviting people into it. And I loved your idea about being intentional about creating pipelines in our system that with people that are already there, um, what's something that gives you hope? as you look at, you know, the, the road ahead for our profession? Because you shared some, some statistics about the, the last 10 years and then the last five years. And so as you look ahead, what gives you hope? I think the, the, the whole context that we're in at the moment, we've had to adapt and force multiply the pace that we've um, got on with technology. This is the first time I've been involved with a, a podcast, for, for example. Um, but I think there, there's enormous hope because we are reflecting and reviewing and reevaluating the whole way that we go about um, teaching, the way that we go about um, ministry, the way that we go about engaging so that we are actually just changing that direction. We're becoming more relevant. We're becoming more engaging and we're just opening the doorways in a 21st century context to connect with people and it's about that connection because if we don't connect we can't invite if we don't invite we can't encourage and so it goes on from there so the more we can connect and be relevant and relational to those that we're serving and to those who we're working alongside then the better we are placed to then offer that invitation that encouragement and that whole journey to flourishing as people and spiritually too. Edward, thank you so much. A pleasure, Eric, a real joy to be with you and part of that conversation.